Good morning, thank you so much for joining us at Scarlet City Church through our digital worship gathering. My name is Mike Juday and I'm one of the pastors here. At Scarlet City Church, we believe that we are people joining God's story of transformation and renewal. So I invite you to receive this invitation to worship. Please read the underlined portions aloud with me from Psalm chapter nine. We will give thanks to you, O Lord, with, all, with our whole heart. We will tell of all your wonderful deeds. Let's read together. We will be glad and exult in you. We will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Amen. of God, it also reveals our imperfections. We must acknowledge these imperfections to God and to ourselves, but in the goodness of the gospel, we are freed from all shame and all guilt. The gospel of John says this, 
For this is the way God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. So let's continue to sing together, knowing that we are free of all shame, of all guilt, saved through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Save now alone. 
would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great sacrifice that you have given us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that we would be able to fully comprehend the depth and the mercy and the majesty of your great love for your people. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the city that we live in. We pray for those who are laboring in our city for its flourishing. We especially pray for Veritas Community Church in Short North. We pray that they would continue to be a gospel presence in and for their community. We pray that you would raise up more leaders, more faithful followers of Christ through their ministry. We thank you that you are sovereign, that you are present with us, we pray that you would give us more awareness of where you are in our lives and in our city. And we pray all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, church family. My name is Janelle, and I'll be reading our scripture passage for this morning. Before I do, though, I'd like to share a couple of announcements. Firstly, this Wednesday, we will be providing our monthly community meal. Uh, normally, we would gather together and, and eat, but with uh, the coronavirus, we have not been able to do that. Uh, but we are still providing that meal. So if you would like to be involved with this process, either uh, cooking and packaging meals to uh, handing them out outside on Wednesday, we'd love to have you. So you can email me. My email is Janelle at scarletcitychurch.org, and I'd love to help get you connected to that ministry. Secondly, parents, you should have received an email this week uh, from us letting you know about a new resource page on our website uh, for kids and families in our church. Um, if you have kids or even if you don't, it's a really great page. There are music playlists, articles to read, books to consider reading, um, lots of great things. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to check that out yet, I invite you to do so. Uh, thirdly, we are, um, as a church, all of our city groups are going to be starting a curriculum called Godspeed. And uh, in that, we're really going to be taking a look at what does it mean to be present. Uh, present with God, present with ourselves, present with the people around us. Uh, and so if you're not part of a city group, I want to invite you to uh, consider joining one. We uh, would love to, yeah, really take this season and, and press in together. And so um, if you have not been a part of one, uh, now is a great time to consider doing that. Uh, you can email Pastor Jacob at jacob at scarletcitychurch.org for more information on that. And then lastly, we today actually started having our in-person worship gatherings at the church. Uh, we are meeting outside at 9 a.m. on the front lawn of the church. And um, we're very excited to be together. I know it was a long four months, um, but I did want you to know that we will continue to provide our digital worship gatherings for anybody who is unable or uncomfortable with uh, meeting in person at this time. Well, friends, I want to invite you to uh, turn in your Bibles or your smartphones, or uh, I believe that the, the words will be on our screen here. Um, we're going to kick off our new sermon series in Philippians this morning. Uh, so I want to invite you to turn to uh, Philippians chapter 1, and we'll read verses 1 through 11. From Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy in my every prayer for all of you because of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am sure of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. 
For it is right for me to think this about all of you, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, all of you became partners in God's grace together with me. For God is my witness that I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love may abound even more and more in knowledge and every kind of insight so that you can decide what is best and thus be sincere and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The word of God for the people of God. Well, greetings, Scarlet City Church family and friends. My name is Jay O'Brien, and I serve as the lead pastor at Scarlet City. And wherever you're tuning in, uh, wherever this message is greeting you this morning, thank you so much for joining us. We're living amidst a historic season. We're dealing still with the realities of COVID-19 and a pandemic and the disruption that it's brought, the, the health disruption, the economic disruption, the relational disruption, the emotional disruption this, that this pandemic has brought for, for all of us on some level. And in the midst of this, this pandemic season, we see, we're reminded of the, the pandemic of racism and racial injustice in our world. And we have the largest civil rights movement in the history of the world. And people all over are, are standing up and protesting and demanding, demanding justice. And in the midst of this, this disruption, many of us are at this place of really wrestling and processing what is life about? How do we move forward? What foundation can we build a life on that can, can lead to joy and true strength and love and perseverance? And in the midst of that, at Scarlet City last week, we, we closed out a sermon series called, What Does God Require? What does God really want? Looking at the prophet Micah in chapter 6, where, where he crystallizes what it is that God desires from his people in the world, that he calls us to, to do justice, and that justice is built on covenant love, and it's expressed by walking with him. And now we continue that, that same idea of what does God want for us in the world by looking at this letter called Philippians. And so today we begin this 10-week study on this book of the Bible called Philippians. And you'll notice from the very beginning that this isn't a book in the same way of we think of a book today. It's not written by someone and sent to a publisher and, 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 and kind of edited for the masses. It's actually a very personal letter. You'll, you'll see names. You'll see people and places. It's written to a church in a city called Philippi, a Roman city, a very prominent city in the region. And this was the first European city in which Paul planted a church around 49 AD. And while Paul was a missionary here, he was arrested and, and imprisoned for preaching the gospel. And so Paul very much was familiar with Philippi. He knew these people. where These were faces and names and people who he knew and he, he loved. And so he writes this letter. It's a reflection of the, the incarnational work of the gospel, that God's work is not placeless and faceless. God's work is always incarnating, rooting truth in a particular community among particular people. And I think there's a degree of encouragement for us today, especially when we look at the nature of Philippi, of this church. You know, Paul is very grateful for them, and as we'll see, he expresses that gratitude. He's grateful for many reasons, chiefly their generosity. This church had a reputation for being so generous, even though many of them were poor. That didn't affect their generosity. 
But then also there's areas for, for their growth. It was a church that was marked by division. It was a church that was marked by pride. And it was a church that was marked by fear of persecution. Again, as I mentioned, Paul and Silas were themselves imprisoned. And so there was this, this fear and awareness that, that Roman authority and oppression could at any time imprison anyone and people could lose their lives. I mean, Paul himself right now is writing from prison in Rome. And soon he will be executed for his faith. He's at the end of his life and he's reflecting back and he's writing to particular people in a particular time, people whom he loves. And in it, he's going to address the particular situations that they find themselves. He's going to write about, in the midst of this division, he's going to write about unity. In the midst of this pride, he's going to call him to humility. And in the midst of this fear, he's going to talk about the pervasive joy that the gospel and the hope of the gospel can bring into their life. And in this season of pandemic, is there anything more relevant for us? And, and I want to invite you in this season to engage with us in this powerful letter and see how can it not just be applied to them then, but applied to us today. How it can root us in unity, humility, and joy. How in the midst of a painful and hard world, we can, we can move forward with strength. And so that's what we begin today. And we're starting with where Paul begins. He opens with, with this prayer and, and what I want to ask today, where Paul's going, is in the midst of pain, where do we start? What's the first step? When life is hard and we're dealing with disruption, it can be tempting to think, I need to have, have it all figured out, have all the pieces aligned, and before I move forward, to have it all figured out, and then I will move forward. But what we see from Paul, and even just the wisdom of people who have walked through pain, often it's taking that first step. And so this morning, let's look at that first step. How in the midst of chaos and confusion and disruption, what is the first step that we can take? I think there's four of them that I want to point to as we begin our look at Philippians. The first step is we begin with prayer. And this is how Paul begins, I, I thank my God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy in my, in my every prayer for all of you. He, he opens by recalling his, his prayer to God. And why is Paul grateful for God? What, what, what is it about God that Paul is thankful for? And it's obvious. I mean, he, he says it. For I am sure of this that very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will perfect it. Paul is thankful to God because God has been at work. You know, anytime, next we're going to speak specifically about, about gratitude, but, but first I want to talk about why we're grateful. Why are, why are we ever grateful for someone? Why do we express gratitude? Well, we express it when it's sincere. We're, we're grateful because someone has done something that we're thankful for. And there's, there's levels of gratitude. When Megan asks me to, to, to help with something, whether it's taking the, the garbage down to the street, if it's a collection day and we need to get the bin down to the side of the road, and, and hopefully it's not last minute scurrying out, we hear the garbage truck coming, it's like, quick, Jay, run. Hopefully I'm not running out in my underwear, but you know, hopefully I'm fully clothed and I take the garbage bin down to the side of the road and Megan, she'll thank you. Thank you, Jay. You were helpful. 
But that's not, it's a nice thing that she's grateful for because I help, but that's not a, a sense of a gratitude for something that, that she couldn't have done. But if she's at home with the kids and it's a hard day and I'm at work and she's exhausted, or she genuinely needs help with something, maybe a poopy diaper or moving a piece of furniture or picking up something that, that she can't pick up herself and she asks me to do it and, and I say yes and I do it, there's a deeper sense of gratitude. A gratitude of thank you because if you had not done that, then it would not have been done. And that's the sense that Paul is expressing here. He, he thanks God because he knows there's some things that only God can do. And this speaks to the dependence on God and, and that there are some things that only God can do. And in painful moments and painful situations, we're brought to the limits of our capacities and the limits of our abilities and, and, and in whatever frame whether it's health or economic desperation or, or injustice. And, and often that first step that we can take is to hold our hands up and, and to just ask, God, will you work? Will you work? I, I, I'm inadequate. We're inadequate. What can we do? What can be done in the face of systemic oppressions? What can be done in the face of a pandemic? What words do you say to a friend whose loved one has been diagnosed with COVID or died? God, I need you. And, and really, that is the first step. In the midst of pain, to take that first step, step of, of dependence on God of prayer. And then, again, we, we look at the, the, the quality of the prayer that, that Paul offers, that Paul is, is grateful. And this is another step, that we begin with gratitude. In the midst of pain, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of hardship, making the decision to be grateful. To, be, to begin with gratitude. First, to be, to be grateful for God. You know, and, and Paul's gratitude here, when he says, I thank my God, when he says that, that after his opening salutation in verses 1 to 2, the first thing he writes is, I thank my God. Remember where he's writing from. He is imprisoned, imprisoned for his work on God's behalf, for partnering with God in the gospel. And he starts with, I thank my God. And and this is a beautiful reminder that, that for Paul, his relationship with his hard circumstances did not shape how he relates with God, but his relationship with God shapes how he relates to his hard circumstances. For Paul, the very cornerstone of his life was the gospel, was, was God himself, and so he begins Thanking God. I thank my God. But also, it, it, Paul's not just grateful for God, but he's grateful for the Philippians. He's grateful for others. Again, in our text, says, I thank my God every time I remember you. 
Every time I remember and then he's, he puts it, then he says in verse four, I always pray with joy in my heart. And I always pray with joy in my every prayer for all of you. I just want to ask Paul, every? every? I thank God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy every prayer for all of you. Like literally, Paul, every time? Is Paul here, is he thankful because the Philippians are perfect? No. No, in fact, he goes on to say, speak of God's work of growing them, that it will continue. Paul's very much aware of their imperfections. And he addresses them in the letter. So why does Paul express this? Well, because he loves them. Because he loves them. And he loves them so much that the first thought that comes to mind for him is the good stuff. And when he, when he sees the Philippians and their faces and their names and he recounts them, because of his love for them, he, he just the first thought is how they're loving, how they're growing, the good things that they're doing. And friends, I mean, this is, this is how it ought to be. How it ought to be. And unfortunately, in our world, our first thought when it comes to others or ourselves is what is missing. The author and sociologist Brene Brown in her book, Daring Greatly, she asked, she asked the reader to fill in the blank, asked them to consider how they would fill in the blank with this statement. Never blank enough. Never blank enough. How, how do you fill that in? Never good enough. Never perfect enough. Never thin enough. Never powerful enough. Never smart enough. Never certain enough. Never safe enough. And she draws it out and, and she says, we live in this world of scarcity where we feel this consistent lack. And that mode, that story, that message pervades and shapes how we, we enter into the world. And so it shapes how we look at ourselves, how we look at others. And so we look at people through the lens of never enough. It's always the next step. And Paul, Paul, through, he looks at people not through the lens of scarcity, but the lens of the gospel. And so he sees abundance. He begins by, he begins by praising them. Begins by praising them. And a reminder, an encouragement that regardless of where someone is at, there's something we can find to be grateful for. And he says it with these words of, <coughs> excuse me, every time. You see, the, the, the joy he has. Um, later he speaks of his affections for them. And this speaks to Paul's, you know, he's expressing this of because he loves them. He loves them. Because he loves them, he's not going to start with what's lacking. He's going to start with what's present. One first step for us in the midst of pain and chaos and division is to begin with gratitude. What can we thank God for? What can we thank others for? And then, and then that enters into the next step, that we embrace God's transforming work. That we embrace God's transforming work personally, 
thinking of the ways God is growing us. You know, again, for Paul, what is he particularly thankful to God for? In verse 6, he says, For I am sure of this, that the one who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, I find this very interesting. Paul is very much a realist. When he thinks of joy, it's not this detachment from the hard circumstances he finds himself in. But, you know, Paul interprets this through the lens of, of life as a, as a consistent evolution, that, that life is not stagnant. It's not stagnant. He knows that circumstances always change. And because circumstances always change, people always change. That's why he, he speaks to God's work, that it began, that the, the, the one who began a good work in you will perfect it. And not that we're going to become perfect here today, but that God is perfecting us. He's growing us. He's The Christian word is sanctifying us, making us more like Jesus. And I think this is a very beautiful thing. Because in our American scarcity mindset, we, <coughs> excuse me, we often merely look back. We, we look back on when times were good and we interpret our present painful circumstances through the lens of the good things that were behind us. And when life gets too hard, we, we want change. We want to remove ourselves from these hard circumstances to find ourselves back again in a good place. And so we are, we're, we're rootless, consistently changing, trying to find the good place of the past. And we, we experience this in a number of ways. We can experience it relationally. You can be in a, a relationship, maybe a marriage, and at one point it was good. You got married. And then it gets hard. And we want to quit sometimes. And we can think, how can I change? How can I find what was then again? We can feel this in our places of employment. At one point, we applied for that job, but then it gets hard, and, and we want change. We want out, and we think, how can I find that again? We, we can feel this in our spiritual journey. At one time, we were passionate about God, and we prayed, and we, we liked our Bible, and, but then pain happens, things enter in, and how can I get back to that again? And what Paul's teaching us here, what, what he's showing us is that actually... Hard circumstances aren't a means to remove ourselves from, to get back to the joy, but there can be a deeper joy. When we understand the transforming work that the circumstances, the difficult circumstances can bring, Paul is going to say that in the midst of pain, in the midst of the, the challenges of life, God is growing us. Life isn't stagnant. And even if we want to go back to what, what it was, we cannot, we will not. And when we only dwell on what was, we miss what can become. In, this midst of, in the midst of the realities that we find ourselves in with the pandemic and racism and all the complexities of life, God has us rooted here, rooted now. And the beauty in the midst of this broken season is that God is at work, growing us, maturing us. And on the other end of this season, I, I, I take great delight in thinking of how we can have matured. Not because we ran or quit or abandoned 
ship. And, and maybe there are some changes that need to happen. There certainly are. But in the midst of those changes, they're, they're made and produced by a greater sense of depth and rootedness of God and maturity, having walked with God, with God's people, through the hardest circumstances of life. We begin, in the midst of pain, we begin by embracing God's transforming work in the midst of the difficulty. And lastly, we begin by not just embracing God's work in us, but extending God's work to others. We extend God's love to other people. You know, Paul's whole prayer and gratitude concept of God's work in his people, he he puts it this way. In verse 5, he says, Your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul, Paul, he's beginning by writing about the gospel partnership that they share together. And and he defines that in verse 9. He says, I pray this, that your love may abound even more. You know, when Paul thinks of partnership in the gospel, it's it's work of love. And then look at how he qualifies it. That your love may abound. You know, that's the key critical formative verb. And he goes on, and more in knowledge and every kind of insight, that knowledge and insight in Christ leads to love. That's, That's the result. Verse 10, so that you may decide what is best and thus be sincere and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness <coughs> that comes through Jesus Christ with the glory and praise to God. You see, loving one another is an overflow of our knowledge of Christ. Loving one another is an overflow of discernment, knowing what is best. Loving one another is fruit of righteousness. That their love would abound more and more and more. You see, Paul, this is his desire for the church in Philippi, that growing in knowledge, growing in discernment, growing in fruit of righteousness, fruit of the Spirit, it would be expressed through love. Love would abound more and more. You know, we're reminded Paul's writing this from prison. Paul's writing this near the end of his life. And what does he want? Paul, who has been in prison numerous times, who has planted numerous churches throughout the entire regions. Thousands of people have come to faith. Paul, who's been beaten, he's been mocked, he's been rejected, he's labored for this. And what does he view as success? You know, there's a number of approaches for ministry. There's a number of ways of evaluating success. What is the greatest missionary in the history of the church? What does he say? This is success. This is what I hope for. This, when you get the gospel, when it digs deep roots in your heart, this is what it looks like. His answer, abounding in love. Abounding in love. And love shapes his whole prayer. We see, we see his love for God, his love for them, for Paul at the very center of walking with Jesus, at the very center of the gospel is, is love. May we begin in the midst of pain, in the midst of the disruption, in the midst of the confusion and the injustice and the, the suffering, may we begin with prayer May we begin, may we begin with prayer, may we begin with gratitude, may we begin with 
embracing God's work in us, that he's transforming us in the hard times, and may we begin with loving others. Will you, in the midst of this disruption, will you take that first step with us? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for being a God who we can talk to. Thank you for being a God who we can be grateful for. Thank you for being a God who works in us, and thank you for being a God who can work through us. We have the high honor and privilege of extending your love in the world. Lord, may we, like these these believers in Philippi, our brothers and sisters there, may we, like our brother Paul, may we, like millions of Christians ever since, may we root ourselves in you that we that we more faithfully embody your love in the world. Give us the courage and grace to do it. In your son's name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Scarlet City Church through our digital worship gathering. If you're not connected to our church, this is a great chance to join one of our city groups. Our city groups are starting to have a conversation about what it looks like to participate in God's story by practicing presence with God, presence with ourselves, and presence with our community. If you would, please uh, visit our website and follow uh, the Connect tab to share your information with us, and we'd love to connect with you. Well, friends, I ask that you receive this benediction. And if you'd like, you can put your palms facing up in a posture of receiving. This benediction is from the book of Philippians chapter 7. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and the love of God and of God's Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit remain with you always. Be at peace.